My friends in Christ, if you found the parable we just heard a bit puzzling and less than edifying, you are probably not alone. This is one time Jesus seems more interested in embarrassing than in edifying. Embarrassing the likes of you and me, the children of light, as he calls us, shaming us into seeing just how far short we can fall of the children of this age when it comes to making really important choices in life. The children of this age, he says, are more shrewd in dealing with their issues than are the children of light. But let's be honest, the parable is kind of irritating. It seems to reveal a different side of Jesus from the one we usually see in the Gospels. Jesus seems more the pragmatist here than the prophet. But what he wants is for us to walk away from this parable scratching our heads and also searching our souls about how astute we are when it comes to making the big choices of life, choices that impact our eternal destiny, how astute we are and how decisive. And if some of our decisions are prompted by motives that seem downright selfish, it doesn't seem to matter. Use this world's goods. Use dishonest wealth, he says, to make friends for yourselves, so that when the goods are gone, you may be welcomed into the eternal kingdom. Any way you cut it, that sounds pretty selfish, certainly not very lofty. In fact, lofty is the last word that comes to mind with this parable. Crafty comes closer. Learn from the dishonest steward, Jesus says. Learn not from his dishonesty, but from his shrewdness, his craftiness. Jesus is saying that we are to be as shrewd and calculating in the way we live our faith as we are when it comes to figuring our income taxes, sniffing out a bargain, closing a business deal, planning for our retirement. If we are, Jesus says, we will reap enviable benefits, heavenly benefits, like the steward of the parable, if we have played it right, if we have made friends for ourselves with dishonest wealth, we will be welcomed one day into the eternal dwellings. And who is it that will be welcoming us one day into those eternal dwellings? Let me give you my theory. It's only mine. I think it can only be the poor whom we heard about in today's reading from Amos and sang about repeatedly in the responsorial song. Let me tell you why I say this. In Luke's gospel, the poor are always the ones with the advantage. The poor are the lowly ones of Mary's great hymn of praise, the Magnificat, who are brought, raised from the dust while the, low, the mighty are put down from their thrones. The poor are the first ones at the manger in Bethlehem. The poor are the blessed ones of the Beatitudes. The poor are that sinful woman at Jesus' feet. The poor are that repentant thief hanging next to Jesus on the cross. Doesn't it make sense then that the ones who will welcome us into God's kingdom will be the poor? And if that's the case, wouldn't we be well advised to use whatever worldly goods we may be blessed with to make friends with the poor? Selfish, perhaps, but also pretty enlightened. I'd call it good investment strategy. 
Now let me shift and take another look at this parable in the wider uh, context of Luke's gospel. The dishonest steward of today's parable is not the only character in Luke's gospel who acted shrewdly when he got into trouble squandering the property of another. You know the other character even better than this one. He appeared in last week's gospel, a very familiar parable. His name is the prodigal son. The prodigal son who sinfully squandered his inheritance on licentious living wasn't much different from today's dishonest steward who squandered his master's property by cooking the books. And when it came to saving his skin, the prodigal son exhibited motives just about as noble as the dishonest steward. You remember when he woke up to how lonely and hungry and far from home he was and how his father's hired hands were far better off than he was. He suddenly then had a conversion, a genuine conversion, I'm sure, but a rather self-serving conversion, too, not unlike the conversion of today's dishonest steward who, when faced with imminent unemployment, realized that he had better do something quickly because he didn't like to dig and was ashamed to beg. My friends, neither the dishonest steward nor the prodigal son are paragons, that's for sure. But give them both credit for being decisive and enterprising, and then give God credit for doing the rest. After hearing today's parable and relating it to the parable of the prodigal son, I find myself thinking how wonderful it is that Jesus is able to use these all-too-human, even sleazy sorts, a prodigal son, a dishonest steward, to tell stories about God's grace and goodness. I find it encouraging, don't you? We may not have histories as colorful or as compromised as a prodigal son or the dishonest steward, or maybe our stories are even more compromised. No matter. Jesus says there is room for us, room for us in the embrace of a God whose mercy knows no bounds. We have a God with a Midas touch, if I may put it that way, a God whose grace and mercy can turn even the basest of human motives into pure gold.